Hello, everyone in broadband land, and welcome to the Broadband Bunch. I'm your host, Brad Hine, coming to you with stories, stats, and samples from the world of broadband. I am very fortunate this week to be in Louisville, Kentucky, and attending the WISP America Conference. Uh, for those that don't know, WISPA is the organization, Wireless Internet Service Provider Association, that manages all the fixed wireless industry uh, through their organizational ties. They have a couple different conferences a year where people come out of the woodworks and share amazing knowledge. Today uh, with us, I have Jeff Moore, who is a speaker, and Jeff is also the CEO and founder of Wave 7 Research. Uh, Jeff was a speaker for us and did an episode at the end of 2022. And uh, we were so impressed that Jeff does a quarterly report on a lot of the data in the wireless industry that we wanted Jeff to come back and talk to us on a regular basis. Jeff, welcome to the bunch. Thanks for having me, Brad. So, Jeff, you uh, uh, it's been a few months since we spoke and um, fortunate to, to see you here at the conference today. Tell us a little bit about what you did this week and, and maybe uh, a little bit about the topic of your, uh, of your session. Yeah, so um, my first time ever in Louisville. It's nice to be here. It's a uh, it's a big city. The weather's wonderful while we're here. But uh, yeah, so this morning I spoke at uh, WISP America 2023 and gave a briefing to the attendees about the latest on fixed wireless competition. And I guess the uh, biggest uh, thing that I started with, uh, there's some new numbers out from Lightman Research Group. They said that uh, the share of broadband ads for 2022 uh, based on their figures, uh, were about 90% were for the for fixed wireless, and they define fixed wireless as T-Mobile plus Verizon internet customers. So that excludes the the uh, 2,800 Wisps that are out there, uh, and then uh, so the the total numbers were 3.2 million wireless ads in 2022, about 500,000 uh, wireless ads for the cable industry, and nearly 200,000 wireless losses for the telcos. Wow. So in your data analysis, what what does that tell us as someone who's reading through this data? Well, there's uh, enormous growth, and I think that this is exceeding the expectations of uh, all the analysts that I know, the the number of ads that uh, T-Mobile in particular, as well as Verizon, uh, had in 2022. Um, we look at some of the forecasts out from uh, Wells Fargo Research, and uh, they, they have this peaking in 2023. So we're probably, in terms of the share of net ads, uh, wireless is probably going to hit their peak this year. Um, why uh, all the sudden activity? The answer to that is a simple one. Um, Verizon didn't have the C-band spectrum available until early 2022, uh -huh. and they rolled that out. And T-Mobile has finally gotten its uh, marketing machine fully up and running with the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum that they acquired in the Sprint deal. And they have that now fully functional. And they're at the stage right now, the last three quarters, they've added more than half a million subscribers per quarter. Um, so you can walk into any of uh, 7,000 T-Mobile stores or any of 7,000 Metro stores and sign up for service. Wireless is growing like crazy, clearly. clearly. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about the topic of your uh, session this morning that you, uh, you participated in and maybe some of the other panelists and what was, what was the general um, ideas that you were, you were trying to get across to the audience here? Yeah, well, one of the big insights from my talk and uh, and and some of the other uh, speakers talked on t touched on this as well, is that um, 
it's without question. So uh, T-Mobile and Verizon added 3.2 million subscribers last year, like I said. So they're clearly dominating and they uh, they have giant marketing machines, uh, very powerful organizations, and they'll continue their growth. Mm -hmm. That being said, the WISPs have the home field advantage. They know their local community. They know their local topography, and they can uh, sort of uh, win in areas where Verizon and AT and Verizon and T-Mobile are not really focused. So you can't be everywhere at all times. Then, so there, you're saying there is an advantage for these local wisps to to be in this market over the big guys. And, and how and how is that at a little more detail? Well, for one thing, they can do community focused events and efforts. Um, you know, you, you, the, some of these WISPs, uh, they're very local and they may be on the softball team or they, they may go to church with some of their customers. And so uh, the word is, uh, you know, not so much about advertising, but getting word out in other ways, appearing at community events, uh, using Facebook, using social media to get word out, uh, as well as um, just, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, you, you have good, uh, a good reputation by word of mouth. Uh, one WISP that I mentioned during the talk is that um, has a... Um, an offer where if they'll give you free service for a limited time if you put a sign in your yard that advertises the service. Ah, that's great. So a little local promotion. Exactly. Fabulous. So I've heard of that with other um, municipal and um, and local internet services, whether it's wireless or sometimes it's fiber in uh, a muni electric co-op. Um, how have you how have you seen that grown? I mean, how, how does that, um, um, especially in a local community, I, I've seen it catch on like wildfire and it starts to be a real competition point against the larger carrier in the area that can't be as, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, C customer centric, I think is the, yeah, is yes, the key yes. because, uh, you know, one of the wisps I talked to said that, uh, they have a chat line and you can just log on to their website and you say, um, yeah, I'm having a problem. And then, you, you know, it may be that, you know, within the next minute, you'll get an answer back from one of their techs saying, oh yeah, it's your router or, you know, we're, yes, we're, our, our tower is down and you can get immediate feedback and try getting that level of service from a multi-billion dollar corporation. Right, where you're going to have to log in and wait on hold and then wait 30 minutes for another recorded message and then go into a queue and then all of a sudden you can't get any further until you press one, two, three, or four on your phone to figure out how they're going to categorize your call. Right. Little by little, you're still without internet. I, I will always say that um, now that um, internet, whether it's fiber, whether it's uh, fixed wireless, um, it's the second utility in this country now. We we have absolutely have to have it. If if I'm without heat, say in the southern United States, if I'm without heat or gas for a half day, I put a blanket on. I'm okay. I wait till the gas company comes out and they fix it. If I'm without internet for 30 minutes and I have remote work, um, say our kids are home from school having to do remote school or trying to do their homework, you're on the phone with your carrier trying to figure out why you don't have internet immediately. Exactly. Yeah, it, it really is crucial. And actually that brings up a, a topic where um, another area where I think WISPs have a uh, big advantage um, is that they, they can provide a, a redundancy solution, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the business space. And I know that T-Mobile has actually addressed this, that uh, that in the business space, uh, a lot of customers are relying on fiber or relying on cable, but uh, these businesses can't afford to be out of business for a day or for a week. And so they have T-Mobile as a backup solution. And I think a lot of WISPs are taking advantage of that. 
That's a great point. That's a great point. In, in, in terms of diversifying and providing that backup, we're also seeing a lot of the money in the space where, you know, obviously coming to a, a fiber or even a WISP show in the last couple of years with all the money that's being put into the market, either by the government or private equity money, we're starting to see hybrid strategies from some of these WISPs that are deploying fiber as well as, you know, their traditional fixed wireless. So what's interesting to me is now they're having to operate two types of plants and figure out how that works together. And they can strategize their saturation areas to maybe fortify with fiber at a certain point over fixed wireless. And as they grow now, they have two strategies to to grow their footprint. Can you make a little comment on on uh, hybrid networks and what you're seeing in that industry? Yeah, absolutely. This is a um, multi-year trend, and this is something that uh, we've observed at uh, various WISPA events that we've attended in the last uh, few years. Uh, but re- really, I'd say it's growing. And uh, one absolute conclusion, everyone I talk to seems to agree that um, that uh, nearly all of these WISPs, or at least most of the ones that I've talked to, are increasingly rolling fiber as a part of their mix. So there, there's no question that there's there's a growing tendency to do that. So I, I've taken it to the next level at uh, WISP America 2023 by asking people, I've done an, an informal poll of WISPs that I've talked to, and asked them, uh, gave them three choices. So why are you increasingly looking to fiber? And one choice was well, it's government funding uh, because some of the government funding programs sort of require you to use fiber. Um, the second possibility is economics. I mean, in economics can vary depending on your topography and your um, population density for sure. And then the third possibility is, is, is it just customer preference? The customer would rather have a fiber connection to his home or business. And the, uh, the answer came back all three, but uh, the government funding actually is the number one answer. And one of the top wisps I was talking to uh, yesterday said it would be a tie between the other two. He said that uh, that economics were a huge part of it, but he also made the point that uh, that customer preference in a lot of cases was a, a big decider. Gotcha, gotcha. So government is, I mean, through the funds that they're granting to people, they're mandating that they they go fiber. There's not a choice just to beef up with higher bandwidth wireless. You're you're going fiber. That's what. These uh, these programs are are telling these wisps. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Um, although w- one large wisp we talked to said that uh, that the wireless technologies are getting so good that he's feeling less and less of the need to choose fiber. Uh, but that's the exception rather than the rule, I would say, because I think that still we're seeing an increasing movement towards fiber. And and also, I think it's uh, fair to say that it really depends on the topography and the population density. So if we're talking about a, a MDU. Uh, then you really need to get fiber there. Um, and then if you're um, uh, maybe in a heavily wooded area, fiber might make more sense because you mm. might not be able to get the signal through the trees quite well enough. Right. So I, I think that topography and density make a big difference. That's a great point. Um, obviously, they they suit the, uh, the geography, each technology. Um, I was on the expo floor the other day and um, meeting with all the the different vendors and all the booths and hearing about everything that they're doing that's new. And um, I'm always curious and interested in in the devices, the new devices. What are the new devices out there offering uh, either more spectrum or uh, better connectivity or just a larger bandwidth? It was very interesting to me talking about some of the strategies on the wireless side um, in terms of MDUs. Clearly, fiber is very important going to an MDU, but in saturated areas, they were using a Wi-Fi just to to bridge that gap, which I thought was 
very simple, a little more simple and economical. Um, well, that the the MDU uh, serving the MDU via MM Wave has been a different business model, and um, ironically, we've had uh, a company sort of crash and burn on that topic recently. So, you have yeah, okay. uh, Starry Internet actually um, it was the the only Wisp that I know of that's uh, publicly traded, um, and they uh, were very well funded. They acquired a great deal of um, MM Wave spectrum around the United States, and uh, and and they recently filed for bankruptcy. So now they're saying that they're going to emerge from bankruptcy and continue to compete, um, although they're not going to compete in Columbus, Ohio anymore. But um, but so, yeah, this bankruptcy of uh, Starry Internet has sort of made me question the business model that they had, which is basically you go from rooftop to rooftop with an MM Wave solution, and then you use the in- internal wiring. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that's not a, a viable business model, but um, but the bankruptcy of, of that effort is uh, not a good sign. Clearly. Clearly, um, along that thinking or along that route, you know, obviously what we're trying to do is deliver more bandwidth to um, folks through um, fixed wireless technology. Are you seeing now that um, that's still growing? Um, we're um, in terms of uh, being able to offer fiber. Clearly, that opens a pipe and gives residents and commercial businesses uh, a connection to a big uh, a big pipe and bandwidth, but um, on the wireless side, are you seeing that that technology is growing and equaling or com- competing with the fiber? Yeah, I think so. There's um, it, w- one of the large wisps that I was talking to yesterday <clears throat> was making the point that um, that he's seen such a improvement in the equipment that he's using, and he didn't specify the vendor, but he's seeing such improvement that uh, he doesn't really feel the need in most areas to roll out uh, fiber that that, uh, fixed wireless can, uh, depending on what equipment you use, can provide speeds of up to one gigabyte. So uh, why bother with uh, the fiber rollout and all the complications and the permitting and, and all the rest when you can just get a signal directly there? That's fascinating because when I when I've talked to WISP organizations, especially the ones that are privately held and and they operate on a bootstrap budget, um, some reports being able to set up a brand new tower in a matter of a couple of days and get things running for a rural area rather quick instead of like you mentioned the permitting involved, all the planning involved that it takes to run fiber either in the ground or on poles, which is other folks' property. Right. Running it on a pool, um, so yeah, there's a lot of that's that's great to hear that uh, uh, gigabit connectivity through fixed wireless is out there and we can access it, and then it's just easy to set up and get people rolling for a much lower price point too. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, you mentioned the tower ecosystem, and uh, certainly the tower ecosystem is uh, loud and proud here at uh, Wisp America 2023. Um, I'm thinking of Crown Castle in particular. They have a solution that's out there for Wisps, and it's uh, very easy. You know, you can just log on and, and learn all about it. And uh, their, their booth looked pretty busy to me, uh, explaining the solutions that they have for Wisps. And uh, they have the towers, they have the access, uh, and, and they can help with rollouts. <laughs> Fabulous. So, any other highlights um, before we uh, before we sign off today? Are there hi- any other highlights from? Uh, the conference this week that you want to report to our audience? Well, basically, um, I think it's been a really good conference. Uh, you know, the the um, conference halls have been packed, uh, great attendance, busy show floor. Uh, I just think it's been a good show overall. Agreed, agreed. And it's, uh, I'll say for the broadband bunch, this is the first 
WISPA event that we've uh, been at in three years since the pandemic started. So uh, it's great to now put a face with an email, a face with a um, someone that you've only seen on a screen on a Zoom call or a Teams call uh, in the last few years. And I, I feel like we're back. There's fabulous attendance here this year. It was actually a lot larger than I, than I thought it would be. It, uh, the conference area and the vendors, I think there was approaching over 60, maybe 70 vendors that were here for WISP America. Right. Yeah. And um, one other trend that we're seeing is um, is I think there's a lot of investment and in M&A activity going on. And some of these have been um, announced publicly. I mean, I guess there was a, a large investment in Rise Broadband, which is the largest independent WISP as being one of the ones. And then there's some others that uh, I don't not really ready to talk about, but I've heard uh, heard about here on the show floor. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, disclose that in some of our reporting for Wave 7 readers. And uh, but but just in general, I'd like to say that that there's a lot of deal making going on, a lot of investing going on, um, and and not not all of it is even American. I mean, we heard about a European investor who's uh, here at the conference, so uh, just I think there's a, a lot of activity going on. Agreed. I'm having a lot of those discussions too about uh, private equity groups and investor groups that um, they're learning how to start up a broadband business, get it running, all the tools you need to do to help automate it, make it more economically um, feasible for them to run, and then be able to allow someone else to acquire that business. And then I've seen in a lot of cases, they just start another one in another rural area. And so it's it's actually a great model for to keep people connected, making sure we're filling all those gaps in uh, the American countryside. Yeah, and one other thing is that um, another big uh, topic of discussion has been what other services can you sell in addition to just broadband access? Mm -hmm. And so trying to dig down on that a little bit and how can WISPs make money? And uh, technical services in the home is one that I've heard uh, Mm -hmm. people talking about. Um, There was one uh, WISP from uh, Mississippi who was uh, very eagerly talking about uh, selling phone service. People who still have dial tone, uh, they have access to a class five switch and they can easily uh, handle your call. And he was very chirpy about how easy it is for him to, uh, to sell voice services. Um, others are looking to a, a VoIP solution. Uh, and then one other topic that's a, a big one for me is about linear linear video. And certainly there's some vendors out there. I mean, I've seen DirecTV Stream on the show floor. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh, Dish Network on the show floor. So that certainly there are uh, linear video solutions that are out there and are being pitched to WISPs. But most of the WISPs I've talked to think that it's uh, very complicated to do and very difficult to do. And so they're uh, not really providing a, a linear video solution. They'll just let provide the uh, the broadband connection and let people go over the top with their video with, uh, you know, with Netflix or Hulu or YouTube TV or whatever their preference is. That's a great point because in content, we're, we're seeing a lot of obviously for, for those who have uh, smart TVs where you can easily access apps from all the different content providers that are out there now, and it's kind of being divided up. So um, I also am seeing the same thing. It's, it's funny, the generation, my son's generation, he's 15, uh, he doesn't consume any linear television unless it's um, an NFL game. And even then, we've seen this on Amazon, Amazon Prime app on the television on Thursday nights. And then we're starting to see, well, I think... Um, was it YouTube TV? It just got the NFL rights, didn't they? Right. 
So, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Um, and, and I think that uh, it, this is to some extent a generational thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've had this discussion with my sons that uh, they think it's odd that I still have a linear cable uh, video subscription uh, because they just do like the over the top video. Um, but um, but but I think that uh, one other point that you talked on, I know that you like to watch uh, college football mm -hmm. and uh, that's a live event. So there's, there's still a need out there to have live TV broadcasting, depending on the vertical that you're talking about. Uh, so I guess uh, sports and news would be probably the two biggest applications. Absolutely. You know, obviously, always consuming news over linear television. Um, I will say, I think I made a comment to you a little earlier today when we were chatting that um one of my favorite SEC teams um, had a game on a couple years ago on ESPN3, which actually is only an internet channel for us. It's not in our package. So we had to quickly figure out how to watch our Georgia football game that day. Right. <laughs> and so, of course- Pretty good team, by the way. Yeah, decent. They've done okay the last couple of years, you know. Uh, but of course, me being a bit older, um, I put the onus on my son to try to figure that out and- he figured out how to put a Roku on TV and then streamed it in from a channel that he found. Right. So mm -hmm. <laughs> thank goodness for the generation coming in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you want to report, Jeff? Uh, it's been a great show. Um, I, I welcome you back to the show. And I'm also looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you next quarter about some of your findings. Anything you want to add as we, uh, uh, as we get to the end of our show today? Yeah, I just want to emphasize where I think the market is headed. So, um, you know, wireless totally dominated ads, like we said at the beginning, 90% of net ads for broadband in mm -hmm. 2022 uh, were done wirelessly. Speaking of, uh, obviously, T-Mobile and Verizon, mm -hmm. uh, if you threw, if we had the figures for the 2800 WISPs, I'm sure that number would be even larger. Um, but uh, so I think that's a trend. And, uh, you know, we're looking at probably peak year for domination of uh, by wireless carriers is probably 2023. And uh, they'll continue to grow their numbers. But the uh, the share of ads, net ads uh, might slip a, a little bit in the next few years. But um, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, it, it doesn't mean anything that the Wisps need to close up shop or anything like that. Um, 3.2 million ads from uh, Verizon and, and uh, T-Mobile. But still, um, I think that the Wisps, if they really play to their strengths, their home field advantage, the the local touch, the good customer service, and uh, knowing the topography and uh, and and knowing knowing their community, uh, they can still win and grow. Excellent, excellent. Thanks again, Jeff, for joining us today. It's great to see you here at Wisp America in Louisville, Kentucky. From the Broadband Bunch, from Brad Hine here, your host. I'll sign off for now, and look to see you maybe next quarter. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye.